Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, everybody, welcome in. It is hour number two of the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh is in for Joe tonight. I'm Dane Martinez, as you know, giving you what you need to get ready for the NFL draft, which kicks off tonight. Had a lot of fun in hour number one thinking about, you know, some players, will they get traded or not? We've covered the impact of Rob Gronkowski being traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to resume his career. Oh, and by Rob Gronkowski, I mean the current 24-7 champion in the WE, who all of a sudden will be applying his trade in Tampa Bay. You know, one of the things, Kevin, we were talking about recently, or just before the break, was Jordan Love, right? And Jordan Love is someone who's supposed to have all the tools, right, can throw it through a wall, has the athleticism, but they don't know yet um, how it's going to work. At the next level, right, played at Utah State with a different level of competition. The idea of can he process complex defenses may still be an issue. And I brought up before we went to break, Kevin, you know, we talk about all these guys and all their, um, all their assets, all their strengths, all the skill set they bring to the table. But a lot of, these t- a lot of times these first-round quarterbacks are going to a team that is below average at best, right? Because it's open up to get them. It's a different game. And they have coaching that may not be able to actually develop them. I see so many cases, you know. I, I, I talked about it with Joe about a week ago. Out of the 32 teams, Kevin, this is amazing, 25 of them, 25 of them have now a quarterback that I will likely be their starter this year that was a first-round draft pick. Only like seven or eight are at this point, it looks like, will go to war this season with a quarterback who was not a first-round pick, okay? And then if you take mm-hmm. the second and third rounds out, there's only about three, I think, that are left. Ironically, one of them is, in fact, Tom Brady. But so that to mm-hmm. me speaks of you need to have the talent, right? They're the first-round kind of talent. But then why do, why do quarterbacks bust all the time? I think it's because of the environment they're in, the coaching they receive. It's really hard to say a guy like Drew Locke, for example, is a second-round pick. He's in there in Denver. If he all of a sudden had a different system with an offensive genius, quote-unquote, would he look better? What about Mitchell Trubisky, who's had different offensive coordinators throughout? Or Sam Darnold, who's had to go through you know, different uh, coordinators throughout verse a Lamar Jackson who's right there in a system that he loves, or an Aaron Rodgers who gets tied to Mike McCarthy for a decade and it works out. Think about Jared Goff, right? The first year or two of his career has Jeff Fisher, Mr. 8-8. Eight eight. All of a sudden, McVay comes in and he's worth $130 million. So to me, for a guy like Jordan Love, a guy like Tua, a guy like Herbert, it doesn't matter not yeah. only what they bring to the table, but how they are developed early in their seat in their careers, right? Yeah, I mean, let's let's call it what it is, right? Like, there's for a long time, teams have been a little bit too impatient when it comes to the head coaches that they hire. Right. And now it's gotten completely out of hand because it's gone over to the quarterback position. I will not forgive the NFL for what they've done to Josh Rosen, who I still believe is way more talented than the league has kind of led people on to believe. And I was really hopeful he could have gone to the XFL that we've talked about to actually go and put that on display and. I guess that opportunity won't be there. But the thing is, it's kind of to what you said, the situation is going to dictate how much of an opportunity you get. Mitch Trubisky would have been out of uh, Chicago a long time ago if that defense didn't kick ass. Right. But because they're winning football games, they go, oh, yeah, Mitch is good enough. No, he's not. Stinks. But I understand you want to give him the credit. If you want to give him, not the credit, rather, if you want to give him the, the leash that they've given him, it's understandable, right? Like, you picked him at second overall. Straight it up from three to two to make sure you had him, right? And we don't even have to talk about the fact that the other quarterbacks that went behind that, they made him their guy. Give him a legitimate four to five years to figure it out. We all agree that quarterback's the most difficult position to play in all of sports. Why wouldn't we give these guys a longer leash to be able to figure it out, right? Like, But you're going to see it at the end of this year, the pressure on your Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold start that – I mean, we've talked about whether the Redskins should move on from Dwayne Haskins or not in the build-up to this draft, who right. hasn't even remotely come close to starting a full season of football games, yeah. right? Like, 
the reason why people could somewhat believe the Giants would be interested in Justin Herbert is because, well, yeah, who cares? Maybe Daniel Dobbs has already shown them enough in 12 right. games that they could move on. Like, it's crazy to think like that. So I totally agree with you. Being able to bring these guys into the right situation makes all the sense in the world. But just specifically on the Patriots trading up for him, oh, yeah. the idea that they need to trade up for the fourth quarterback off the board when Jameis uh, and Cam Newton can't find work just to have that quarterback sit behind Jared Stidham for a year is a thing that I certainly can't get behind. Yeah, that's fair. Um, by the way, it is uh, nine teams without a quarterback. We could play the game, Kevin, but I'll let you know. The second-round quarterbacks are Drew Locke. And ironically, I think Drew Brees was the first pick of the second round. Remember that oh, wow. Danian Tomlinson was part of the trade there. So those are your second round guys. There's four quarterbacks who were third round picks, Kevin, mm -hmm. that are now starters uh, for their franchises. So you can get one in the third round. Ironically, they're all in the NFC, and many of them are playoff quarterbacks. There's one in Dallas. There's one in Minnesota. There's one in San Francisco. And there's a pretty good one in Seattle if you want to check it out. The only other ones that are lower than that would be Stidham as a fourth-round pick. And then two six-round picks, uh, Tom Brady, and, of course, the dude with the mustache down in Jacksonville. But let's look about this because we're talking about the first-round quarterback, Kevin, and the prop bet that has been up there is four and a half, right? Yeah. Four and a half has been the number. You and I are talking about Jordan Love as the fourth, likely. Mm -hmm. I had four coming off of my board in the mock that I gave you yesterday. That line is still four and a half. And we talk about it, right, at 31 with San Francisco, maybe, uh, maybe 32 with the Chiefs. The idea that a team, if they have a guy that they like, whether it's Hurts, Eason, Fromm, or anyone else, this may be where they go up and get their guy to trade into it. That would be the only way I see a fifth and the only thing that gives me any cause for pause from hammering this under on the four and a half prop bet. Yeah, I think for me it comes that you pretty much would need the Raiders to get crazy and like take Jordan Love with inside this top 20. Right. And then force, whether it be the Patriots hand at 23, again, assuming that's the route that they're going. And I, I, I just – I hate it so much, and I think that it's such a bad idea that it's a struggle for me to think that Belichick is going to think it's a good idea. Um, but also, it's you know we've talked we talked about it when we did the mock draft how teams are always trying to trade up into the you know twenty eight to thirty two range and whatever. You know, if somebody wants to come for an Eason or a Fromm, who certainly had the pedigree, right? I mean, coming into the year, it was supposed to be to a Herbert and. From not Burrow, not Burrow right. when it I don't know when it came to this quarterback class, and now Fromm is you know scrapping to be the sixth quarterback off the board. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the thing. I, I'd much rather, like I said, I, I'd rather try and bet uh, under three and a half quarterbacks than try and really bet over four and a half. There you go, Kevin, again, trying to tease the damn plot bets. In the <laughs> All right, this next one you can't tease because it's in essence a yes or no, Kevin. You know, this idea of the running back market, and we have had this conversation as it relates to free agency with the running back position, as it relates to how teams are now going at it with a running back by committee approach. So do you want to spend, whether it's the, you know, free agent signing kind of contract money or the draft capital we see it happening now with Leonard Fournette you know it was a number a top five pick overall and now you said maybe it had for a bag of balls or a seventh round pick so for for over at FanDuel it's you know 0 0.5 right so in yeah. essence uh yes or no like will there be a running back selected in the first round you saw in my mock I had the Dolphins taking DeAndre Swift with the number 26 pick overall. Remember, it was their third pick in the first round. So it's not yeah. like running back was the primary or the, the priority need to address. They had three, and that's what allowed them to do it. I mentioned Seattle potentially as another team that could be in the running back market. Do you see ultimately, which way would you lean on this puppet? Do you think a running back, here's their name called tonight? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm leaning towards the yes. Uh, we saw a report from me in Rappaport saying that the 26 to 32 range, we could see one or two right. running backs come off the board. And, you know, sometimes I can be a, a sucker for certain reports, but the fact that it said one or two. Means one, like right. the, but nobody. But to me, it's the idea that there could be a second now has to make me feel pretty confident that there is a first. Right. And... You know, again, like it's starting at that 26 range and the tweet pretty much, you know, goes to where you said the Dolphins could certainly be willing to make it their guy. And this and the thing is, like, 
as much as we've seen the running backs continue to lose their value throughout NFL circles, I don't think we've gotten to the point where we're never going to see a running back drafted in round one again, right? Like five years ago, Swift, Dobbins, certainly Jonathan Taylor are probably all like lock first rounders. So we've seen it regress, but I don't know if we've gotten to the point in terms of the NFL idea, if you will, that has evolved, right? Yeah, the, I just don't know. Construction has yeah. kind of evolved. And, and, and it's funny because the run game, here's the distinction I, throw, I, I, I draw. The running game is still very important, but the running back is not, right? There's other, the individual running back is not as important. Having a running game is important. We see this with New England. We see this with, I don't know, the San Francisco 49ers who we just discussed. We see this with Seattle even, right? Where they had a number of running backs. So I do think it's interesting, but holding your feet to the fire, you do think one gets their name called, you would lean yeah. on the yes side or the over half in this bet? Yeah, I, I'd lean towards the yes. I just, I don't think we're at the point where no running back goes in round one. It was the last time that happened. Oh man, it was it's a it's been a while if I'm not mistaken, the last time no running backs went went in round one. We'll have to check it out. What I'm seeing, you know, what we know now is this idea of it's it's risky to take them so high, right? The top in the top five picks, let's say, I think of Saquon yeah. Park recently, Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette, um, all who have gone kind of at that mm -hmm. level. And then don't get me wrong. They can do their thing, but you're almost painting yourself into a corner financially yeah. down the that, road. He's kind of that, yeah. deal with it. Go ahead. That's the biggest thing is that Saquon Barkley was absolutely one of the five most talented players in his draft. Christian McCaffrey has clearly proven to be one yeah. of the ten most talented players in his draft. It's once you have to pay them as such, it the value is completely right. gone, but you have to pay them. Otherwise, the pick was insane to take a running back that high. It's a cost. Right, that perform at the level that you need them to perform at and then have to watch them walk. It, it doesn't work like that. It, it's never going to kind of work that way. I, you know, so to me, Christian McCaffrey is the highest paid running back of all time. Shaquan Barkley is, is the guy who will top him, and I think he will then hold that record for a very long time as the highest paid running back in football history because yeah as you said this the running game matters the running back matters less but it's, it's more so now even the skill set that which you need from the running back has changed drastically if you had to choose between Sonny Michelle or James White right probably James White yeah because of the way and that is because of the way the NFL has evolved to just more of a passing league you know and 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 part of what you're saying, I completely agree with, and I think we're seeing it right now, the other approach with the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry, right? They bring in the guy, but the other option is to franchise him and, in essence, juice the orange. You know, get every single drop you can out of it. I'd be willing to bet, Kevin, that this year Derrick Henry is going to take on about 350 carries, and they're going to, in essence, chew him up and spit him out. And that's why I told you uh, yesterday during the mock that I did, I would not be surprised to see them address the running back need a little bit later on. You know, you can get these guys. The question is, you know, are they still worth it to you when they're about 27 years old? Are they going to be worth it to you for another four years? And at that point, the answer is no. That's why you got to sync up these windows of opportunity when you have them. I think, listen, Alvin Kamara will be coming up soon. Joe Mixon will be coming up soon. Dalvin Cook will be coming up soon. And these teams will have to make similar kinds of decisions, Kevin. One other position that we know is heavily valued is the offensive line. Okay, I went through my mock draft, and I had six tackles going in the first round. We had the big four. I had Austin Jackson at 18 to the Miami Dolphins, and then Josh Jones to those Tennessee Titans, right, clearing the way for Derrick Henry after losing Jack Conklin to Cleveland in the offseason. I had six coming off the board. I'm right there because the prop bet is six and a half. You mentioned Boise State tackle Ezra Cleveland and others. If you had to go one way or the other on this prop bet, where would you go? 
I, I really like the over, and I actually tweeted it out uh, a little bit back when the value, I think at the time, was named minus 102, and it's now sort of leaned towards the over. One thing I want to – and it doesn't apply to your mock because you only okay. had tackles going around one, but it's it's how many high volleys. I think it's sure, hilarious sure. that they put – it's, it's all – that counts. Exactly, exactly. So that's kind of the big thing there, and we've right. seen Ruiz start to see his name in the first round in a lot of these mocks. Ezra Cleveland, apparently the Browns love him, and ultimately – we can disagree on maybe whether they, that's a smart decision, but if they love him that much, then you, you got to take the guy that you love, right? I believe he tore up the combine, and, and that seemingly has endeared uh, them to bring him to Cleveland, of all, like, ironic places. And then we've even seen uh, Wilson, the other Georgia tackle, yes. get his name called. I mean, I saw a mock yesterday that had nine offensive linemen come off the board in round one. Now, I don't know if nine are going to come off the board, but again, we're talking about an over six and a half. Like that's essentially flying over the number. I think eight, I think is probably maybe where we see the amount of offensive linemen come off the board. I really like this over. So you're going to take this over, right? Because to me, you're finding at least a one and a half click, uh, gap here, right? Because if you said yeah. seven, I don't know if I'd click submit. But you're saying you think it could be eight or nine. That's enough of a uh, – that's enough daylight to maybe uh, actually put that bet in. And like you said, the fact that it, we're talking six, seven, eight, nine, and only maybe one running back speaks to the kind of the evolution or the focus on the position of value. Yeah. Last thing I want to get in there real quick is another position – I thought was very important in this day and age, right? On the defensive side, you got to rush the passer and you got to be able to cover, okay? And I only had three cornerbacks coming off my board in the first round, A.J. Terrell, and then obviously the top two, Henderson and Okuda. The prop that is four and a half. What am I missing, Kevin? Yeah, it's, it's really weird because the – so the three that you had, right, are the three that are seemingly now what absolute locks to be taken in this draft. I was moving up if a bunch. You, if, if you wanted to play the over on this, what you need is for those three guys, right, and A.J. Terrell, Okuda, and Henderson, to all go probably inside the top 20. Right. And that then hopefully can force, if you're going to, if you're an over better, more of these guys to come in, which I think is possible because they're all very comparable in, in how they're being evaluated to where if a run on corner starts, then right. we could right. see – it, it kind of really start to, to flood. Jeff Gladney, uh, he's a yes or no uh, in terms of uh, will he be selected in the first round? And it's plus money to the yes. I think that plus money price is worth a look. Uh, the Vikings have been linked to him quite a bit. They've got two picks in this first round. I think you could absolutely see Gladney come off the board there. I think if Christian Fulton is in range, Jalen Johnson of Utah. Again, the thing is, though, you, you kind of need the run to come. It's a tough exactly. call on the – I'm not looking at the players. I give it to you. Those players deserve to be have a first-round grade or would be relevant or valid as a first-round pick. For me, the question is what team would want the cornerback there? You mentioned Minnesota. Uh, Kansas City could be another one. Ironically, those are the two teams I had drafting safeties instead of cornerbacks. When we come back here on the early line, we continue to find some value in tonight's NFL draft. Forget about the government. We're giving you our own stimulus package here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez, we're coming right back to make you some more money right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin taking you through how you could potentially get a little bit of money in tonight's NFL draft. We've looked at some of the prop markets, including Rob Gronkowski totals for this upcoming season, because not only is he the 24-7 champion, he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer who has passed his physical. So the TV 12 to Gronk connection is going to happen at some point. Uh, Kevin, the book thinks it's going to happen either five or six times in the end zone in this upcoming season. I know you're a little bit uh, on the fade side, right? Like, let's yeah. buy all this hype. We don't even know if he's going to play 16 games. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I saw – and you can tell me if I'm crazy, um, but I saw a poll last night. People were trying to get the temperature in terms of fantasy, and yeah. it was uh, him or Hayden Hurst. And I pretty confidently selected Hayden Hurst to see myself be in the 35% range. A lot of people preferred Gronk a lot more. I don't know if I was out of touch on that, but 
I don't know. Hayden Hurst is someone to me who I thought would have a lot more value kind of going to Atlanta to replace right. Hooper. Hooper. I, I can see that. I mean, for Hurst also, it'd be a new face, a new scheme, a lot of learning as sure. well. Remember, there is no OTAs right now. There's no chance to go on a beach and catch passes from Matt Ryan like there is in many other off seasons. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be on Gronk. You know, it's just it, the, the risk reward is is there obviously he could be a league winning guy for you if everything plays out well but i will be more yeah. i will be more in the kind of second tier of tight ends like four through eight like you're talking about guys like hooper um you know guys like mark andrews i'm gonna mm. i'm gonna get my tight end in like the seventh or eighth round and i usually do just fine in Are that you, area go ahead not to, not to like take us on a fantasy route but yeah. like are you in on the Austin Hooper move? Because I personally, it didn't make all the sense in the world to me in terms of Cleveland, and I just can't imagine him having anywhere close to the season that he had in Atlanta when it comes to Cleveland due to the, all the other targets that are there. Yeah. They have another decent tight end in Njoku. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, listen, this is why I talked about the fantasy herd, Kevin. Okay, yeah. and, and having a fantasy herd is good for the NFL team. Yeah, for the right. fantasy manager, right? And that's what I think they are building in Cleveland. Like, you already had that on some level in Cleveland, and Njoku was one of the sacrificial lambs there. Like, think about it. If you owned the Brown last year, right, it could have been Odell one week. It could have been Landry one week. You don't know what Chubb is going to do. Then Hunt gets added into the mix. All of these things make the Browns better and more dynamic. It just makes it more frustrating for mm-hmm. men. Right. It's that kind of inverse relationship. Whereas think about it on the other side. Right. Um, The Green Bay Packers and Devontae Adams, you know, Devontae Adams is getting the ball. Right. Good for the fantasy manager of Devontae Adams, but, you know, not good for the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so that is the kind of inverse relationship Mm -hmm. I always tell people to watch for. You know, when you have a fantasy herd out there, you may have. Uh, a good name value or someone who is capable of good stats, but on any given week, they may become the fourth option you yeah. know, on their team. I think the Rams wide receivers are a great example of that. I think in years past, the Philadelphia Eagles have been a great example of that. And obviously the best example of all time would be Patriots running backs, right? Yep. Like, you know, someone's going to score, but you never know which one it is on any given week. And then the weeks you bench them, they'll blow up. The least you start them, they'll go two for 17. You know, and that, that's what I think could happen there in Cleveland. I actually think it's good for Baker's development, good for the Cleveland Browns, but not as good for the fantasy prospects of uh, Austin Hooper or David Njoku for that matter. All right, let's keep it going. Um, we've talked about the quarterbacks a lot. I want to get your thoughts, though, on this offensive line market. I find this one very interesting, okay? And what I'm looking at here now, Kevin, is um, the prop bets for individual players. Mm. About how many at each position. But now, for example, and we talked about this, right? The two attack below a prop bet has gone from two and a half all the way down to five and a half. And you can get that kind of bet with a lot of the big names that are out there. And I think there may be an efficiency in the O-line market. Okay, so here's the first thing I'll say. We know about the top four, right? We've yeah. been hearing for months these big four O-line prospects. Well, Makai Becton had his drug test flagged recently, and so they have yanked his prop bet off of the market because maybe he falls. It's just uncertainty in that market. Mm-hmm. I see Worfs and Wills, Kevin, both at eight and a half as mm-hmm. their spot. Now, I want to ask you, in my mock, both of them are gone by eight, okay? The Giants take uh, Wills at four. The mm-hmm. Cardinals take Wirfs at eight. Yeah. Do you find any value in betting one or both of these guys uh, going before the ninth pick? Do I don't know. I don't know the juice on on these, but I think yep. I think it's certainly. It, it's obviously favored, right, kind of for that to be the way that this all plays out. And you just pretty much have to ask yourself as, well, what, what's the domino effect that, you know, leads me to lose kind of this bet here? And it would be the Giants not taking a tackle. Right. Where Because then to me – Or Arizona trading out. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, then all of a sudden if none of them go. I think, though, we are really starting to see these top four tackles are – 
all coveted. Yeah. I, I mean, we have seen people with Worfs as the top guy on the board, Willis as the top guy on the board, Becton and Thomas have all seen their share of time. And if that's going to be able to make its way around all of these different analysts uh, in terms of, you know, guys that are putting together your mocks and whatnot, then imagine 32 NFL big boards. And obviously, you know, this is going to vary, right? Because we're kind of talking in the, uh, the confines of the top 10 here. Sure. But I also think, you know, there's another section kind of on there, right? Where it's a um, player to be drafted in the top 10. Yes. Willis. At Werfs, and I know Andrew Thomas are all at a minus price. I don't remember where Becton was, but I, and the thing is, it seems now pretty likely Willis and Werfs will be gone kind of in that range. As much as I have tried to somewhat hold on to the idea that Isaiah Simmons could go to four to the Giants, because I think that it would be a good move, and I think it's in play. The idea of them taking Willis still makes so much sense that it's hard to ignore. Yeah, when you have uh, that bet you've mentioned on FanDuel of will they be in the top 10 picks, and it's just, it's just a yes bet, okay? And so those offensive linemen are all minus numbers yeah. uh, for in the top 10, Kevin. To your point, Wills minus 550, Werfs minus 390, Thomas minus 170, Becton minus 180, despite the flags on the drug test. I, I, you know, here's the way I think I might play it, though. Um, when we look at this offensive line, the idea of um, their their prop bet of pick, you know, I look at Austin Jackson, mm. who is the next one, and they are hanging a total on Austin Jackson. And the number, remember, I had him going number 18 with the second pick of the Dolphins. Remember, the Dolphins have 18, and then again at 26. Yeah. No, no surprise that Austin Jackson's number is 25 and a half, thinking that maybe the Dolphins at the further reaches would take him if he's still there at 26 with their third pick. I think they take him with the second. But you've talked about as many as eight or nine could go. Most people believe that if nine go or eight go, regardless, that Jackson is likely the fifth. He could even be the fourth if people get concerned about Becton. So to me, that may be some value. It's minus 110 on both sides, Kevin. Would you be willing to gamble that Jackson gets picked Uh, in the first 25 picks tonight. Yeah, absolutely, especially considering the price. I I think it makes all the sense in the world. If I think that there's a potential for eight or nine offensive linemen or or seven or eight offensive tackles specifically to come off the board, it's not going to be six of them coming off the board in the last six picks. These these guys are going to fly off the board. I mean, I would honestly go as far to say as the – of Austin Jackson could be as high as maybe 14 because of how much I believe that the Bucks need an offensive tackle. And if they're all going to be minus price to potentially come off the board within, inside the top 10, right. then they might just have to go biggest need, Austin Jackson. Absolutely. And, and we talked about this yesterday as well, Kevin. You know, in my mock, the top four are gone by 11. Yep. Jets taking the fourth at number 11. I've got them going four, eight, 10 and 11, right? And in mm-hmm. that universe, if the priority for Tampa Bay is to protect a 42-year-old man, and I don't don't get me wrong, that should be a priority, yeah. uh, then where are they going to go? You know, mm-hmm. are they going to pick up the phone and call Washington and trade for Trent Williams with 14? Or will they pick a guy like Austin Jackson? I actually believe that this is an interesting one. Out of the ones we're seeing so far today, I like you with the um, under – four and a half quarterbacks. And I think I like this idea that Austin Jackson gets his name called in the first 25 picks. I want to ask you though, we've been talking about the wide receiver run as well. Okay. This is a very interesting one to me because I think you and I see it similarly, Kevin. Yes. Those top three, you want to put Jefferson in there as well. They may be a cut above, but they're a cut above like a dozen dudes, Kevin. (laughs) That any individual team, might decide that they can still get value later on at wide receiver, could just push the entire position to fall down the board a little mm-hmm. bit. Each individual team is saying, I'll kick the can down the road on on this group of, you know, we've talked about it, Kevin, six, seven wide receivers who are not named Lamb, Judy, Ruggs, or Jefferson. I could still name another six that are seven that are first, you know, top two round talents. Yeah, I think the the thing with the wide receivers, specifically the top three, yeah. you could talk me into the big three all being off the board, 
within the first 12 picks. Really? You could talk me into the first one not coming off the board by the time we hit 13. Right. That's kind of the thing with this group. Yep. And so, so, and that's where it's really difficult to tell. There's no doubt about, but, and, and that's where even the over unders on, you know, your Judy and Lamb sitting at 12 and a half. It's the perfect number. It's the perfect number at 12 and a half. I believe if you wanted to, you know, go specifically to where each one of those guys in terms of team would be drafted, I think the uh, the Raiders are favored for both, but at like plus 300. Like it's so up in the air kind of how this wide receiver group is going to be played in this draft that I think playing the market is difficult. And it's one of those things where, I, I'm very excited and, and optimistic that when uh, we're, you know, approaching or closing day one up, we get fresh props for day two, uh, you know, round two, round three. Ooh. And let's say we, we get the, the short side of it and only four wide receivers going round one. Wow. Then I'd love to hit over, and I'm just ballparking here, seven, seven and a half. <laughs> exactly. No, seriously, though, because all of a sudden – Hamler, Ayuk, Mims, Rager, they all are going to fly off the board. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, here's what I'm going to go on this market, though, Kevin. Tell me if, you know, I ask you all the time, I'm not <laughs> crazy. In the offensive linemen, you know, I thought the value might actually be lost in Jackson. Sure. On the wide receiver market, I'm going to sell you the same thing about Justin Jefferson. Okay, you talked about last uh, yesterday's show the idea that the Eagles covet him so much that they may even trade up. Right. I had the Eagles being able to stand pat at number 21 overall mm-hmm. and draft Jefferson. His number is 21 and a half, Kevin. So they're clearly seeing that Philadelphia, Minnesota area of the draft as a place to yeah. go. But I'm with you. I think there's no way on God's green earth Jefferson gets past the Philadelphia Eagles at number 21. I do think the other three will be off the board by the first 20. Right. So leaves from in my opinion is one of the best fits in the entire draft jefferson going to philly in number 21 the prop bet is 21 and a half do you think maybe philly actually covers a different wide receiver do you think as we're talking about the entire position group may fall down the board i kind of think the justin jefferson under 21 and a half is a good play and i'm seeing it right now at minus 180 yeah i i think you know, the the way that this kind of would get messed up is if the Eagles are picking Henry Ruggs in this spot because right. the wide receivers fell. Oh, yeah. And and that's where, I mean, you said it's minus 180, right? Like if it was 22 and a half, I'd feel awesome about it. Yeah. Because I don't think the Vikings would let that go any further, but obviously it's not for a reason. And, you know, it's tough, right? Because I think you can get plus money on the Eagles' first election to be Justin Jefferson, Or, you know, so that's that's where it's difficult. But if I ask myself, do I want to pay minus 180 because the Eagles is the floor or plus 155 and call the shot that he's actually Philly? I think I'd like to try and attack the plus money approach on it because if I feel like if it ends up going left, then at least it's not going to hit me as hard as much. Yeah, that's fair. Like some of these defensive studs, though, I'd like to get your thoughts on them in a couple of minutes we have here on this segment. You know, I'm seeing over-unders for Derek Brown at seven and a half. I had him going seven. Javon yeah. Shaw at 13 and a half. I had him going 14 to Tampa Bay. Remember, that was one where I went defense even at a plus money, and I acknowledged that. We'll see uh, Chase on at 16 and a half. Ironically, I had him going 16 in the draft. Similarly, guys like, for example, Patrick Queen is 24 and a half. I had him going 24 to the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> you know, so, like, I'm right on it on a lot. I don't know if they're moving the books because of what I'm putting out there on Sports Grid or vice yeah. versa. But are you hearing any specific player, right, that you may want to uh, bet will fade uh, or that you want to go up and get? I've been hearing a lot of, example, um, C.J. Henderson flying up draft boards and now his position is at 12 and a half right behind the Raiders and with you know if Jacksonville wants to take that stab early on mm-hmm. are there these players that you think are severely mispriced defensively so I think I you know because one of the things is is I I mean and I've for weeks now every single day go through the FanDuel sports books sure. and the myriad of options that they have there and I always am trying to see if I can find some plus money 
And C.J. Henderson to be taken inside the top 10 is plus 130. And we know the Falcons love him and want to get inside the top 10. And considering that that's not the only avenue because the Jaguars could also take him at nine, that's, that's another prop as we continue to look through that I'm finding myself kind of drawn towards. A nice plus money prop that really takes into account what the Falcons love here is very, very enticing. That is interesting, but you better get it now if you like it, Kevin, because the last check, it has moved. It is now plus 110. So you still get it at plus money to be inside the top 12, but that is moving. So if you like it in this commercial break, Kevin, run on over and click submit. (laughs) I'm going to ask you if you did when we come back on the other side of the break, and then we'll take a a look at the top X off of the market. We'll look at the different position groups and see if there's any value there. I've got one or two that I want to bounce off you that I might click submit on. Go in, get those. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh is joining us today as we look to find some value in the prop bet market, the NFL draft market, which is going to kick off in, I don't know, about 12 hours. I am excited. First of all, let me ask you something, Kevin. Like, in the draft, yeah. are you are you going to be sitting there watching the entire time? Do you have it on in the background? Do you have, like, an alert when your team drafts? How... How much are you going to engage with this, you know, for like five hours at a time? Oh, the whole thing. So it, so pretty much when people have said, oh, when's the NFL draft? I go Thursday, Friday, sat, like Saturday. Like I'm here the whole time, especially considering the situation. Like I, I adore the NFL draft. I, I think it's, it's, it's to me the best draft there is, right? And a lot of people know, like, I do the basketball show here on the network. And, like, the NBA is is my favorite sport. But the NBA draft being 60 picks in one night, it starts to lose its lust uh, a lot quicker. Um, But because you have seven – for somehow with having the seven rounds in the NFL draft, it makes the first round stand out even more. Mm -hmm. And it's because – maybe because we all do these mock drafts where we all know it, like, 50-some-odd guys – to where you just feel familiar with the picks throughout their entirety. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in for the long haul. I can't wait. Sounds good. What you got to let me know is if you turn any of this into, like, a drinking game or something like that, there's got to be ways, right, to have a little bit of extra fun when we are staying at home and sheltering in place for the yeah. next few days for the NFL draft. One last market that I wanted to turn our attention to, Kevin, is, you know, like you said, our friends on FanDuel, they have so many things up for us to kind of uh, keep our attention as we go into the draft. And one market I think is interesting is the first player drafted at each position. Sure. And I want to spend a couple of minutes on that here, okay? The first place I want to go is uh, the safety market. You know, we've talked about, we've mentioned Grant Delpit, we've mentioned Jeremy Chin, I've been talking about Antoine Winfield Jr. However, out of Alabama, Xavier McKinney is someone I know you are high on, you think is the best safety in the class. Mm-hmm. And so right now on FanDuel, it's minus 300 that he'll be the first safety to hear his name called. Are you yeah. willing to lay three bills of juice on McKinney to be the first safety off the board? That's the thing, man. Like, I, so I'm, I'm trying to adjust it because I'm so used to just bet, like we're betting spreads, right, and the occasional minus 130 money line to where, like, betting a minus 300 favorite is like, oh, all right, I'll throw it in a parlay and we'll try and bring this down a bit, right? It's so different when it comes to betting the NFL draft, but you have to kind of make that adjustment. And if you – and I, I liken it to when it comes to things with juice. I used to bet the over one-and-a-half touchdown pass prop a lot of times. And if it had the heavy juice, I'd still be willing to kind of go with it. Overall, though, I don't think I could pull the trigger on this one with McKinney because even though I think he's the best safety, I think Grant Delpit is right there. Okay. And if a team took Delpit ahead of McKinney, I wouldn't be like, you clowns. I'd be like, no, I get it. So I can't lay minus 300 if I understand him not being the first guy off the board at the spot. All right. So we're not pulling the trigger on that one. Another thing, Kevin, that, you know, you've been searching all of these profits. I want to draw your attention to one of the reasons why you always have to shop around as a sports investor. We know about this, right? But I found a place that they're, 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 kind, of, uh, they're kind of giving you a tell on some level, okay? Check this out, okay? There is a match bet right now, Kevin, yeah. 
about um, C.D. Lamb versus Jerry Judy. Okay, fair enough. They both have the same, you know, total uh, position. I think it's 12 and a half for both of them, right? In the match bet, though, C.D. Lamb is minus 125. Jerry Judy's is plus 105, okay? So that would tell you to think that they believe C.D. Lamb will go ahead of Jerry Judy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then why is it then, Kevin, when I go to the first wide receiver off the board market, that C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy are both minus 110? Can you explain? Riddle me that, Kevin. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I'll, I'll be honest with you. The three wide receivers, and it's not their fault, but they are to some degree starting to piss me off because of how much I can't figure out who's coming off the board first. Like, I, I mean, I've even bought into some of the Ruggs stuff that Ruggs comes off before either CeeDee Lamb wow. or Jerry Judy because the Jets being heavily connected to him, as I'm sure you know, and also the Denver Broncos, who are uh, a rumored team that would love to trade up, uh, and their connection to a guy like Henry Ruggs. If I had to play that match bet, it's real easy for me. Even if it doesn't win, I got minus 105 on the on Jerry Judy yeah. to be pretty much the first wide receiver off the board there. Like, that's where you kind of talk about the market inefficiency, right? And the lovely thing about that is it's minus 105 for him to go ahead of CeeDee Lamb. Rugs could be the first wide receiver off the board, then Judy, and I still win my bet. <laughs> oh, right. There is a universe where you could double up on that one. I want to ask you about a couple of other positions that I actually think are interesting. One is, you know, you, you've talked about how FanDuel has coined it as the Hogmollies on their books, which I think is absolutely hysterical, right? Um, you and I, when we were doing my mock draft yesterday, I mentioned that, listen, I think Wills and Wirfs are the top two, but I think the Giants at four might go Wills. And we talked about kind of the, um, the Nick Saban rec- uh, you know, reference. Yeah. We talked about Joe Judge and his history there and why those may be indicators that point to Wills for the Giants at four over Wirfs. Mm-hmm. My question, Wills is the favorite to be the first offensive lineman taken, but the juice is not unbearable to me. Okay, Wills is at minus, what I'm looking at is minus 165 to be the first lineman off the board. Now, it sounds like you and I both are fairly comfortable that the Giants do favor Wills because of the familiarity uh, in the run game. Would you, would you lay 65 cents of juice on that one? I, now, let me ask you this if you have it in front of you. Do you yeah. know the odds on Wills to be the Giants' first pick? I can bring that up. So, first of all, just so you have the numbers, right? Wills, yeah. for the first lineman, is minus 165. Wirfs is next at 230. Then Andrew Thomas at 6-1, to one, right? Okay. Then what you're talking about is the specifics on the Giants, right? Like mm-hmm. the Giants um, pick Wills yeah. specifically. And they have it at minus 150 that Wills is the Giants pick, and he is that favorite. Wills yeah. minus 150 to be the Giants pick, but a different number to be the first lineman. And what you're putting the, the, the kind of the, connecting the dots here, Kevin, right? You are basically confirming, guaranteeing that no offensive lineman is going until the Giants at four. Oh, yeah. And if yeah. that is the case, it should be a similar number. That, and, that's, and that's kind of what I'm kind of chasing there. I was wondering, but the thing is, Minus 150 isn't all too different from 165 to where, like, I thought it maybe would be a minus 125. I feel like now maybe I'd be getting a little too cute if I tried to go with the Giants right there because we don't know what the Giants could do. And exactly. And if at eight they take Willis, right, and he's the first tackle off the board, I'll be furious with myself. So overall, I think between those two, you take the, the Willis, but. I'd rather take shots at the plus money of Werfs or even Andrew Thomas than lay the 165 with Will. And it's mainly because I think I'm being stubborn about the Giants drafting Wills. But I just just think it's – I don't know if it's minus 165 that they draft this guy. All right. Fair enough. And listen, I, I listen. I am not going to throw any shade your way, Kevin, about wanting <laughs> plus money. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. You know, if I could get plus money on a number of things, I'll take it. Right. Um, there's a couple of other positions I want to um, ask you about specifically. And one, I'm going to tell you right now, big minus number here. Okay. Right. The position group where I think there is more of a standout than in any other position group where the gap between number one at the position and everybody else, in my opinion, the biggest gap here 
is at the tight end position. Kevin, we already talked about Cole Komet, right? We've already heard some people saying that, hey, if you want him, you may have to spend an early second round pick in order to get him. It's moving up. I don't care if Trey Burton is in the market as well, okay? O.J. Howard, you would have to spend to go get. What if I told, like, so let me ask it in the reverse way. Uh, we'll play the game show in the reverse. Uh, Kevin, what would be the amount that you would pay? First of all, do you agree that Komet is a, you know, a cut above the rest? And if so, how much would you be willing to lay that Cole Komet will be the first tight end off the board? I'll tell you, by the way, I made money on this exact bet last year with TJ Hawkinson in okay. the tight end market. And that was where Fant, Noah Fant, was a viable number two mm -hmm. uh, tight end. Did also go to Denver or in the first round. Yeah. I'm hearing the gap between Komet and who they have listed as the second Adam Troutman as the second tight end. That's a big gap this year. Um what would you be willing to lay on this kind of tight end prop bet? Man, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be within reason here, right? Because the thing is, when it comes to uh, Troutman rumors, they, they don't exist, they don't right? Exist. But exactly. we've seen – so the, the gap there is considerable, right? But I also have I to put this out of – Would you lay minus 200? Let's play like – Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Would you yeah, lay yeah. minus 300? I think I'd have to. Would you lay minus 400? I wish I could parlay it. I – so there's your line. 400 so. is where I think about it, but it's not an easy decision. So it's interesting that you said three, you said yes, four, you said no. Cole Komet to be the first tight end drafted off the board is minus 330, Kevin. Oh, beautifully in that, in that sweet spot. <laughs> right. I like that, though. But so, you know what? what? I, I can get behind that. I, can, I really can. And I, I'll, I'll give you, you know, Scott Wetzel, one of my favorites here at the network. Um, he kind of – I remember he was during hockey season. He's like, if I bet a heavy, heavy favorite, then I'll kind of pull back on a couple other bets. Because if I'm going to lay the juice to make that bet worthwhile, That's and then I lose two other small bets and ultimately I break even when I took that kind of risk, that'd be silly. So if you're somebody who's putting together a draft night portfolio and, you know, you kind of figure out what your bankroll is and you want to make that allotment towards this Cole Komet uh, situation – I think that that's fair, but then be smart with what you do with kind of the rest of your money. Don't be like, oh, I need to have 10 draft night bets. Approach right. it more from a bankroll standpoint. The comprehensive side of it all. I, I, I like what you're saying there. For me, just doing a little back-of-the-envelope EV math, Kevin, you know, if it was minus 300 on the dot, yeah. that would be a 25% chance, okay? Yeah. Right? And if it was minus 400 on the dot, that would be a 20% chance. So the fact that it's minus 330 means that the EV there, right, the percent chance you're looking at is something between uh, 20 to 25%, which means on the other side, 75 to 80%. Mm -hmm. If you believe, Kevin, that there is greater than call it a 77% chance that Cole Komet is the first tight end off the board, and I quite frankly do, I would put that number in the high 80s or the 90s, then this represents value, no? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's good math, and it, it makes all the sense in the world. And, I mean, this seems like one where the, the sweat of this bet is just that Cole Komet's not going to hear his name called anywhere near the top 20. You know what I mean? Like, that's the, the frustration of it. But the fact that there's a slight chance that he could even be drafted in round one, there's, again, get, someone point me in the Adam Troutman rumor mill page because I haven't even seen it yet. Right, right. No, I think that's true. And that's why I'm trying to, you know, get the rough math on what we're talking about is like a 22% chance, right? Exactly. And I think it's less than 22%. That represents value. Let me give you one other position. And I think this one is interesting, okay? We've talked about the running back market, okay? Yeah. And you mentioned how in previous years, or maybe even Dobbins could be a first round pick. I personally, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I am very, from a fantasy standpoint, Kevin, I am very interested to see where Edwards Hilaire winds up. Mm -hmm. I think he is the perfect, like, PPR format back. I've called him, uh, my, my comp of him is Darren Sproles. I think he's Darren Sproles uh, 2.0, okay? Yeah. And I would love to see him wind up with a team in an environment that could leverage him in that way. Hello, Tampa Bay, to be the new James White <laughs> for Tom Brady. But I digress. I don't think he's going to be the first running back taken, right? Mm -hmm. so, 
Right now, Edwards Hilaire is six to one to be the first running back taken. Dobbins is seven to one. And then it gets crazy with guys like Zach Moss, AJ Dillon, Cam Akers, and the like. The two that we have talked about, right? When you say one or two will go, we're talking about Taylor and Swift, right? Yeah. No, not Taylor Swift, who was supposed to open the SoFi Stadium in late July. And by the way, that ain't happening, Kevin. (laughs) The new Rams and uh Rams and Chargers Stadium in LA, the opening event. It's supposed to be a Taylor Swift concert scheduled for, I think, July 25th. Oh, happening, people. But I digress. Uh, so they have DeAndre Swift, Kevin, minus 195 to be the first running back off the board. I think Swift is the three-down running back of this group. I do think he will be taken as the first pick. But going by our EV math, right, that's very yeah. much minus 200. Okay, so that's 33%. All right. Do you think there is a greater than 68% chance that Swift will be the first running back to hear his name called? You know what's really interesting is I think to a degree, right? So that over uh, the half running back selected, right? The over is quite comparably priced to Swift here. Because the thing is, I think Swift's the only one that can come off the board in round one. Now, if he doesn't come off the board in round one, then I think things could get crazy. I genuinely believe that a seven-to-one throw on Dobbins isn't the worst bet in the world. Interesting. But because I said I like the over on Swift, I as well think that Swift's the first running back off the board. Maybe Taylor sneaks into round one. Again, I feel less confident about that. But I, because I think there's going to be a running back selected in, in the first round, and because I believe that running back is DeAndre Swift, I feel like that minus – 190-ish price that you said right there yeah. is, is worth the look. But I would be very nervous as a better if he didn't come off the board in round one because now at round two, uh, whoever is drafting there, they don't mind do, going with the pass-catching specialist. For right. whatever reason, whenever we hit round two, everybody's real calm. Oh, I can do whatever I want. Round one, everybody's watching. It's like, I got to get the right guy. There, The stakes are there. That's why the GMs don't want to have the draft until they can have everybody in because it is their reputations on the line. And you talk about that first round pick being a bust. We don't talk as much. It's less high stakes, you know, Kevin? We don't talk about round three pick being a bust three years from now. Exactly. I mean, it's why Joe Mixon couldn't come off the board in round one because everybody's watching the draft coverage and then has to see the decision you made, but Mm -hmm. flies off the board in the next round because, well, people aren't watching as much and it's a lot easier for that to just kind of get swept by. All right, so we will see what happens starting tonight. We will be here on SportsGrid. Uh, thanks for spending a couple of days with us, Kevin. I can't wait to, on the back end, talk about how this all played out, what parts of our mock were right, and where I was, in fact, crazy. Yeah, I, I look forward to it, man. Hopefully, uh, you and Joe could squeeze me in on another early line. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it, it's been good to get ready for the draft with you, man. Absolutely. We look forward to it. We'll be certainly talking to you tonight during the draft as well. But for Kevin Walsh, I am Dane Martinez right here on the early line. It's draft night, everybody. Get excited and tune in on SportsGrid. We'll be here. See you guys later. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Come.